Good morning, and welcome to the Resurrection Sunday gathering of Recreate Church. If you hadn't heard, our motto is, no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved by God and by us. It's such a nice day to be here, Resurrection Sunday. You know, when it comes to holidays, Christmas gets all the credit. You know, Christmas, you know, people decorate for Christmas, and it's like this great big thing, but Easter has its own magic. Even Christmas doesn't matter that much if Easter never happens. This is the celebration of how Jesus destroyed death, hamstrung hell, and defeated the devil. Because Jesus won victory over the grave, we can have victory over whatever we face when he is at our side. So, hey, y'all, Hillsville, and wherever you've come from today, let's hear it for Jesus. Let's hear it for the resurrection. We just scared everybody over at Food Line getting their last Easter preparations and stuff. That's okay. Oh, man. After the year we've had, we need to celebrate some victories, am I right? You know, it's been a, a difficult year for most of us. Everything has been a little more complicated, even if most things are going right. In the midst of all the struggle, we've seen some blessings too. You know, a year ago at Easter, we couldn't even do what we're doing now. We did not have, you know, the regulations were that we could not gather together in person. So I'm so encouraged that we can do this and be out here. What a, what a nice day. I, I look around and I see all the parking lots full. You know, some larger churches in bigger areas have multiple campuses where they meet. We don't have multiple campuses. We have multiple parking lots where we meet. That's, that's pretty cool. So I want to give a, a shout out to everybody over at Pizza Hut. Hey, guys. All right. Shout out to the people parked at Food Lion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to people at Family Dollar. I know there's some folks over there. Um, I've heard there's some folks been, uh, last week we had somebody sitting at Taco Bell listening, just in case anybody's listening at Taco Bell. And at the wash tub, the laundromat, anybody over there listening, so glad to have you here. Folks at Hardee's, I think Lone Max is closed today in the hail damage repair thing. I don't see anybody over there. And of course, welcome to the folks actually sitting in our for real parking lot. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> You're afraid to beep too much now, right? You're like, I was like, we don't want to scare people. Yeah. You know what? It's been a year. It's been a year since all our plans got derailed. Not just like the church plans, but like the everything plans. It's, it's been a year since we had to rethink how we do ministry. Well, really rethink how we do life. It's been a year, but guess what? We're still here. It's been a year, and we're still here. Lean over and tell somebody that. If they're in the car with you, tell them. It's been a year, but we're still here. If there's nobody in the car with you, roll down your window and look over at them, all weird-like, and say, it's been a year, but we're still here. God is still at work. God is still on the throne. God is still blessing. It's been a year, and we're still here. And I'm convinced that these days we are living in now are days we will look back on not just in frustration, but in inspiration, because we're fighting battles now that will give us confidence for what we face in the future. I want to tell you a story uh, about looking back at the battles of the past as a way 
to gain strength for the battles of the present. It's a very familiar story, not typically one associated with Easter, but I think it kind of works for the day. We're in the middle of a series about a man named David, David who had the heart of a warrior, and we can learn from him how to be a warrior, how to have the heart of a warrior. This story took place uh, about a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. We find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It is the most famous episode in the life of David and one of the most beloved stories in the entire Bible. Even folks who've never had much to do with church or Bible or God or anything have heard about this story before. From the story, we're going to learn how the battles of the past can give us confidence for the battles of the present. And if that's the case, if the battles of the past, the struggles of the past, can help us be confident in facing what we're facing today, we can look back and see how God helped us through, and now that inspires us. Then the truth about the times in which we live is this. The struggles we're going through today, right now, are equipping us to be victorious over what's coming in the future. So we can rejoice that right now is not easy for most of us because God is going to use it in the future. If he uses the past to help us in the present, he'll use the present to help us in the future. So in this story, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, were fighting their perennial enemy, the Philistines. The Philistines were the bad guys that were forever harassing Israel at this time. And um, we see on one hill, the Philistines are encamped. On another hill, the Israelites are encamped. And there's this big valley in between. And there's going to be a battle. However, this is a little different. Sometimes battles in those days were settled by what is called representative combat. Representative combat means instead of both armies just fighting each other and a lot of people probably dying as a result, each army would select a champion to represent them, and the two champions would fight, and whichever champion defeated the other champion, that army would be declared victorious, and then the army of the champion that was beaten or killed would have to accept the terms of defeat. Now, that sounds like a good idea. You know, two, two guys fight instead of thousands of people having to die. Okay, I understand that, but Israel's got a problem <laughs> because Philista they have a champion that's pretty big. Um, the Philistines were known for having giants in their army. That was one of the things they were known for, and archaeological records suggest that the Israelites were not large people as it was, and they're looking at these Philistines who were bigger than them on average anyway, but now they've got this, this army with giants in it, and there was one particularly large giant whose name you know. He was over nine feet tall, and his weapons and his armor alone were so massive that they outweighed the average soldier in the Israelite army. And we know him as Goliath, the bad guy. Goliath. The David and Goliath story. Told you it's not a typical Easter message, but, ah, well. If you're looking for typical, you should probably not be pulled into a parking lot watching a guy preaching under a tent beside a dumpster, okay? If you were looking for normal, you're in the wrong place, y'all. You done messed up. So I can't help you with normal. But I think this is some good stuff. I, I think it's from the Lord. So every day Goliath would come out and he would shout a challenge to the Israelite army. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pull off a Goliath voice here. My kids told me not to try it, but I'm not going to listen. They don't listen to me. I ain't going to listen to them. So 
So Goliath shouts something like this. Send out your best champion to fight me. Does that sound okay? Is that, that passed, Billy? Thanks. All right. If he defeats me, I, we will be your servants. But if I defeat him, you will be ours. So day after day, this happened. Forty days Goliath came out, and he would say something like that, and he would shout insults, and nobody was brave enough to deal with him. Nobody in the army, none of the commanders, not King Saul himself, nobody was willing to go deal with Goliath. He was just too big. So question for you and me for today, good one to start with, is what are we dealing with these days? It just seems too big that we don't want to go deal with. Just too big of a problem. What are the giant problems that keep yelling at you when I say what was too big? Um, my first thing that comes to my mind is the pile of dishes I had to wash yesterday. Living in a house with five people, the dishes add up. I don't know. Mama, I don't know how you did it. I'm the dishwasher in our house, and I don't know. They use too many dishes. That's all I say. But, you know, I can handle the dishes, but there's other things that's a lot bigger. Hey, you know what we do when we hear sirens go by? We stop and we pray for our first responders, so that's what we're going to do. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name for the first responders and the folks involved in whatever emergency they're going to, that you'd have their hand on, your hand on them, that you'd bring them through and everybody would be okay in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So when we hear sirens like that, it's a reminder there's a lot bigger problems in this world than a pile of dishes. Some folks are dealing with a lot of stuff. And what are, what are the problems that we would struggle to deal with today? The giant problems or maybe just the stuff that you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I just don't want to deal with that. What's on your list? Or maybe, and this is dangerous, who is on your list? <laughs> don't point at them. Don't elbow them. Yeah, we've got those things. And on top of it, right now, the world is just kind of a mess. I mean, we could just say, well, what is it? What's the big problem that we're, we don't want to deal with? And you can just kind of gesture broadly at the world, you know, it's a, it's a weird time in the world right now. It's a confusing place to be. And, and on top of that, a lot of the, the forces and powers of this world benefit from keeping us confused and scared. And, you know, I want to tell you, though, I want you to, remind, to be reminded this day that there is victory in Jesus and there's nothing we cannot face when he is on our side. That is good news. Well, unfortunately... For the guys in Saul's army, they were about a thousand years too early to hear about victory in Jesus. They had heard prophecies of the Messiah, but it was still a long way off, so they don't know about Jesus yet. And, and uh, they're like, okay, um, I'm not going to fight. You going to fight Goliath? I'm not going to fight Goliath. Okay, you guys, we all fight Goliath? No, no, you neither? No, okay. okay. Uh, Billy nominates the other Billy to fight Goliath. So, yeah, like uh, somebody else. Nope. <laughs> we don't want to fight Goliath, so. Among these soldiers that day were three brothers from Bethlehem. Their names were Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimei. And history has largely forgotten their names because they were just another one of the soldiers who did not want to fight Goliath. However, their little brother is going to show up, and we know his name. His name goes down in history. Nobody names their kids Shimei anymore. But people name their kids David, my middle name is David. I'm Michael David. And if David does not do what he does this day, my middle name's probably something else because no one would remember the name of David. But because of what he does this day, people know the name of David. However, <laughs> when he shows up that day, he doesn't look like a guy who's about to go to a battle. He looks like the sandwich delivery guy, kind of. Let me tell you why I say 
His father sent him from Bethlehem up to where the battle was taking place with a bunch of loaves of bread and a bunch of cheese and a bunch of roasted grain. So he kind of seems like the sandwich delivery guy. He's delivering cheese sandwiches and chips to his brothers who are up on the front lines. His dad said, hey, go take this food to your brothers and bring me back some news about what's going on with the battle. So he goes up there, and before he sees his brothers... He hears Goliath issue his challenge. He shows up just in time for Goliath to come out and say, send me a man who can fight me, you know, something like that. If you can do a better Goliath voice, we'll we'll get you in next time, okay. Um, So he's just in time to hear this, and um, he asks some of the other soldiers who are standing around, say, hey, what's up with this guy? And they are, more or less, I'm paraphrasing here, they said, haven't you heard about Goliath? This guy is a beast. He is a monster. The king says, if anybody can go out and defeat him, then then they'll receive um, a cash prize. They won't have to pay any taxes, and, and they'll get to marry the princess. And the scripture shows us that David seems to ask the question again, just for clarification. He's like, wait a minute, what did you tell me? If someone's brave enough to go fight Goliath and, and they actually manage to beat him, what will they get? And the guys are like, well, we told you they'll get uh, wealth and be exempted from taxes, and they get to marry the king's daughter, the princess. Now, we learned in the chapter before that David had been a, um, had been a musician in the king's court, right? So he's probably seen this princess before. He's seen the king's daughter, and he's like, mm, okay. So uh, what did he want? A girl worth fighting for. Some of y'all Disney people will get that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he says, okay, I'll do it. I can handle this guy. About that time, his oldest brother, Eliab, shows up, and he's like, what are you talking about? All right? Some of y'all are the younger kids in the family, and you know what it's like to have one of the older ones come up to you and say, what are you talking about? You're talking too big, you know? I was the oldest in my family, so I was the one that had to let my little brother and sister know when they were getting a little too overconfident in their abilities. <laughs> But the Eliab says to him, what are you doing here, David? Did you just sneak up here to see the battle? What are you doing? Uh, and now you're talking about fighting a giant. Come on, kid. Where are all those sheep and those goats you're supposed to be taking care of? Get your butt back home. Just go on back home. And wow, that's not very nice, is it? You know, you notice, though, notice um, the rest of them had been standing back talking about what a big problem Goliath was, but they weren't offering to do anything about it. But as soon as someone is ready to step up and do something about it, they start criticizing. You've seen that happen before, haven't you? Yep, 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 yep. And it's kind of unfortunate here that David's own family doesn't believe in him. We learned that a few weeks ago. His father and his brothers, they didn't really believe in him. They didn't see any potential in him. And uh, that is discouraging. They didn't think he could could handle even normal stuff, let alone face down a giant by himself. And it hurts when people closest to you don't believe in you. But what about when The person who's telling you you can't do it is you. I deal with that all the time, all the time. We can often be our own worst enemies, and we tell ourselves we can't, we're not good enough, and God doesn't look down at us and say, man, he ain't good enough. He looks down, and he sees the potential that he has put in us. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe other people can't see it. But God can see it because he put it there. 
Don't let the devil use that weapon of negative self-image to stop you from fulfilling the purposes God has put in you. Because he's put stuff in you that you don't even know about yet. Be encouraged. When all the voices tell you it's impossible, look to the God of possibility. So David, he walks away from those who doesn't, they don't believe in him, and he goes and finds King Saul, and he tells King Saul, he says, hey, I will fight Goliath. King Saul's reaction is, well, it's pretty predictable. He, he says, um, man, I, I, I admire your courage, young man, but don't you see the problem here? You're just a young kid at this time. David's probably not yet 20. We don't know his age for sure. He's like, don't you realize uh, you're just a kid and, you know, you don't have any weapons or armor, really. And, and this man is a giant. He's a full-grown man, very much full-grown. And he has been trained from his childhood to be a soldier. And you don't have any training at all. How in the world are you going to fight this giant? David isn't offended by that. Instead, he explains his reasons for feeling confident he can fight the giant. And he doesn't start out by saying, well, I'm, I'm so big, I'm so tough, I can take down a giant. No problem. I take down giants all the time on my Xbox. I'm pretty sure I can beat this. Now, he doesn't say anything like that. It's true that David had, well, this was his first battle, but he had fought giants before in a manner of speaking, not human giants. It's true that David had never been a soldier, but he had been a shepherd, and shepherds have to defend their sheep against wild animals, right? Absolutely. Some folks around here who have livestock have to look out for coyotes, so that really isn't so different today. You hear some coyotes, and you know you got to be looking out so they, they don't get your, your calves. So when David was a shepherd, one day a lion attacked the sheep. The type of lion that lived in that area at the time was the Asiatic lion, which can weigh up to 400 pounds. That is one big old kitty cat. But David, with the strength that God gave him, was able to face down this lion and killed the lion. Another day, a bear attacked. The Syrian brown bear can weigh over 500 pounds, so it's an even bigger giant animal. But the Lord gave David strength to defeat the bear. A human can't physically overpower an animal like a lion or a bear. They're just It's not possible to physically uh, outgun them strength-wise. But David did not claim to have beaten them in his own strength. He said the Lord was with him. So let's just read it from 1 Samuel 17. I want to read some scripture here. This is 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came out and took a lamb of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard. Now, I assume that means like the mane of a lion. And I struck it and I killed it. And your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing how he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Very true that David had never before fought a human giant. But looking back on the Lord, had helped him help, how the Lord had helped him defeat these giant animals, these 
challenges before, it gave him confidence that the Lord would help him in the present. So we need to understand that when we are facing a battle in the present, we can look back to the things that we have dealt with in the past and see how God has helped us through that. You see, um, the truth is that every battle you fought so far, you survived. Now, you might not have thought you was going to survive, but you survived. You might have some scars, but guess what? Only survivors have scars. You might be walking with a limp these days, but if you're going to walk with a limp, that means you lived. You did make it through. God did help you through, so you have something to look back on and say, okay, that wasn't easy. That was tough. Do you think it was easy to fight a lion and a bear? No way. But David looked back on it and said, okay, God helped me through that. Now he'll help me through this. I had, man... Some of y'all who have been around a while know I have a long and complicated relationship with household plumbing, all right? Um, we had a sewer line blow up in our basement a few years ago. Man, I don't wish that on anybody. We called it the great, pl- the great poo-splosion of 2018, and I'll never forget it. So now me and plumbing, I'm like, man, all right, as long as there's not literal poop blown out everywhere, then we're okay. But we did have a a little while back, a couple months back, we had a pretty badly leaking toilet. And some of the the quirks of the fixtures in the house we live in now um, make it a little more difficult to work on some of the plumbing. So it took me like three days uh, of, or three evenings after work of working on this thing to try to get it to not leak. And I changed, I put like three different gaskets in it. And you ever heard the phrase mad enough to make a preacher cuss? You heard that phrase? I want to confirm to you that plumbing will make that happen. All right? Plumbing will make that happen. If I could lose my religion, I would lose it plumbing. But you know what? I kind of take a deep breath. That's why I get my son to help me with plumbing now because I know I won't say the things I'm not supposed to in front of him. So the last one I said, hey, son, you're going to help me with this. So I got that fixed finally, and that was such a pain. Then the other um, toilet in the house starts leaking. I'm like, oh, great. But now I know. Because I fought the battle with the previous toilet, I know how to fight the battle with the next one. And I had that one fixed. Same exact problem. Had it fixed in an hour. Yes. Praise the Lord. I learned. So this ain't the most churchy way to put it. And go ahead and forgive me in advance, please, if I, if I say this. But, but um, literally, the crap I dealt with before equipped me to deal with the crap I was facing at that moment. So forgive me, that's not the most delicate way to put it. But the fact of the matter is, the stuff that we have dealt with in the past can help us deal with what we're dealing with now, which also means the stuff we're dealing with now will help us deal with what we're facing in the future. Saul must have recognized that the Lord was with David because he let him go on out there and he, he tried to give David some weapons and some armor, but David's like, no, I don't. You know, for one thing, Saul was a much larger person than David and the armor wouldn't fit and he wasn't used to a sword. He said, no, I don't, I don't need any of that. Besides, he wasn't going to fight Goliath on his own terms. He was going to fight Goliath not with weapons, not with a sword or a spear or a javelin or really even with the sling he's going to use. He was going to fight him with the power the Lord would give. So David walks out and Goliath is just laughing. He's used to the idea that they're going to send the biggest guy they've got to go fight with him. And he sees this young guy and he's like, who are you, kid? You think you can chase me off with sticks and rocks like I'm some stray dog? Come over here. And I will feed your carcass to the crows. 
So there's a reason why the David and Goliath story is fascinating to us. Because 99 times out of 100, when a normal guy fights a giant, the giant wins. Now, we know the story, all right, that the little guy wins. But that's not the normal story. Goliath usually wins. And nobody expected David to win. I guess they were hoping. But David's not going to rely on his own strength or his own skill. He's going to rely on God. So let's listen to what he says in uh, verse 45 here. Then David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin. But I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the worth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So, that's, that's pretty good. He's confident, right? I mean, what would, what would Ric Flair say to that, Billy Honeycutt? He'd say, woo, yeah, we got this. But his confidence is not self-confidence. It's God-confidence. There is a big, big difference. He knows that his weapon isn't a spear or a sword or a sling. It is the name of the Lord, he looked back on the battles that the Lord had brought him through before, and it gave him confidence to, that the Lord was going to bring him through the battle in the present. And you know what happens next. Everybody knows what happens next. Before the giant could even take a swing at him, David puts a stone in his sling, and he zip, 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 zips it around and slings it right at the giant's forehead, and it hits him with such force that it sinks into his skull, and the giant falls down dead. And just to make sure and to keep his promise, David runs over and takes Goliath's own sword, probably the first time he's ever used a sword, and he cuts off the giant's head. Now, that is an absolutely thrilling turn of events. Nobody saw that coming. We know it's going to come. We know it's going to happen because we know the story. But nobody at the time knew that. They were living in the midst of this. Everybody expected the giant to crush David. Just like it feels like the, some of the stuff we face is going to crush us. We think it's going to crush us, or we worry that it might. But the same God who empowered David to overcome his giant will empower you to overcome your giants as well. Part of the victory is looking back on what God has done for you in the past. The fight with Goliath may have been David's first military engagement that we know of, but it wasn't his first battle. He had fought battles before. He fought a lion, which I've got to think at the time, that was the biggest thing he'd ever faced. A 400 pound lion. Let's just be honest. How many of us would get a little scared of a five pound chihuahua if it's coming at us? They're probably more vicious than lions. All right. Yeah. So if a five pound chihuahua get at you, you're like, mm, I don't know about that. What about if it's a 400 pound lion? So he's He's faced something that's huge, and that couldn't have been easy, but the Lord helped him through it. Later on, a bear came along, and the bear was even bigger than the lion. So he had to deal with this bear. He'd never fought anything that big before, but the lessons he learned facing the lion gave him the strength to face the bear. Then later on, a giant comes, the biggest enemy of all, and he looks back on the lessons that he learned with the lion and the bear, 
and he was able to beat the giant without facing the lion and the bear. I'm not sure that giant falls. I'm not sure David would even attempt to fight Goliath or maybe shouldn't have even attempted to fight Goliath if he had not first fought the lion and the bear. So here is what I'm getting at. It's no fun to fight lions and bears. But if you're fighting some lions, you're fighting some bears right now, you know what that means? That means if there's giants in the future, you're going to be ready. One of the blessings about having to fight a lot of battles is you learn how to fight. And for us, the fight is faith. You learn how to trust. Nobody wants a lion after them, but the lions prepare you for the bears. Nobody wants a bear coming after them, but the bears prepare you for the giants. On top of all the normal struggles of life, this year has been kind of tough, you know. We have had to adjust. But there have been some incredible victories. We've had some weddings in the church family. That's been great. We had some babies born in the church family over there. Got a baby getting ready to be born. What's like two weeks? The baby that Marissa has right now, that is not the baby. Okay, that's the nephew, right? Okay. But like two more weeks, Joshua and Marissa are going to welcome little Bentley into the world. That's a huge victory. Um, go ahead and sleep while you can, Josh. Sleep while you can, brother. Yeah. Such a wonderful thing. Let me tell you, we've had people come through surgery. Kelly had brain surgery. Debbie had surgery. Where you at, Debbie? God has been awesome. God has blessed, brought people through. We, we've had people be baptized. We've had people dedicate their life to the Lord. And look around, y'all. We're filling up parking lot after parking lot. To God be the glory. Do you realize that at least a third of the folks who participate in our services kindly, kind of only, only found us after we moved outside? That's pretty awesome. The Lord brought us through the coldest winter we have had in years. We actually had a winter. It made up for the last four years when we didn't have one. And we got to enjoy it outside, man. This will be the year that we always talk about. Hey, remember when Recreate Church preached in the parking lot and was under a tent? Yes, this is a victory. Maybe it doesn't feel like a victory because we're not in, the, in that setting, that environment we imagine. It'd be nice when we get back in our building and, hey, it's going to take some work. Some of y'all had said that you will help get the building ready, and I'm about to cash in that promise, okay? So in about the next week or two, we're probably going to start working on the building, all right? Working on the building. Amen. For our Lord, for our Lord. Some of y'all understand that little bluegrass reference there. It's about time to do that, but I'm going to tell you this. We face things we never predicted we would face. But we're still here. We are still here. God is still moving. God is working in ways that we could not have guessed. It's been a year, and we're still here. Tell your friend that you told earlier. They might have forgotten already. Look over and tell them. It's been a year, but we're still here. It's been a year, but we're still here. I don't know what comes next, but I do know this. The bears and the lions we are dealing with right now are only making us ready. So when the giant comes, ooh, he better look out because we're going to be ready. So we can embrace the struggle. We can embrace the battle. Don't fall into the trap of of self-pity or self-confidence. Put your trust in Jesus so you can have God confidence. And I'm going to tell you right now, even if you look back in the past and you don't see a lot of victories, 
There is a victory that was won. That means all the battles are winnable. We can look back at the greatest victory in the history of the world. I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus. And let me tell you this. Maybe sometimes you think life kicks you around. No doubt you you have felt that way and have reason to feel that way. But let me tell you this. Even if you feel like you have lost every single battle because of the victory that Jesus won, we can win victory in everything that we face in him. He can give us strength. So my best advice to you today of all the things that I might say to you is to trust in Jesus. Put your faith in him because everything that, that, that we can talk about to you know, make better choices and look back at the past to, to help us in the present, all of that is good and helpful. But if you want it to be something more than self-help, more than motivation, you need to understand you need Jesus in your life. So what is holding you back from fully trusting him? If you've never professed your faith in Jesus, today is a day to do it. It's not difficult. If you believe that Jesus really is God's son, and if you're really ready to confess your sins and turn from them, all you got to do is tell God so. You just say, Lord, I'm, I want to be forgiven, and I want to trust in Jesus and I ask for that now. I ask for that new life now. It's no more difficult than that, but that's only the beginning of a, of a di- very different kind of life. But for a lot of you, I'm looking at folks who I know have made a public profession of faith, but we need to learn to trust him a little more each day. We're living in an unpredictable world. It was unpredictable long before COVID. Life wasn't easy two years ago when things were, quote, normal, whatever that means. But every day we have to renew our commitment to them. I know when I was to him, you know, when I was growing up, I heard that, you know, so many people saved and so many people rededicated. Well, in a sense, we need to rededicate ourselves to the Lord every single morning. And the first thing you think when your feet hit the floor is, Lord, I'm up and I know you're with me and I want to walk with you today. I want to close this up in prayer right now. And if you need to do business with God, now is the time to do it. A little hard to do altar calls in a parking lot, but I think God can use maybe the dashboard of your vehicle as the altar right now, and we'll make that work. So we pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the victory that comes through him. Thank you for the victories that you have won for Recreate Church. We could not have predicted everything that we have dealt with, and Lord, I confess we felt pretty frustrated at times, or at least I have. But I know this much, Lord. With you, there is victory. So I want to pray for anyone listening to this, either live or in recorded form later, who's never trusted in Jesus as Savior, that they would pray right now something like this. Lord, I confess my sins. I know I've done wrong, and I want to be forgiven. Lord, I I believe that Jesus is your Son that he died and rose again to pay for my sins. And I pray right now that you would save me in Jesus' name. And Lord, for the many, many who have made that profession of faith but are dealing now with giants and with anxieties and with struggles and with the unknown, we pray that you would give us the faith to look back at how you've helped us in the past, even in small ways, to give us faith for the present. And we pray that all the struggles we're facing right now will only prepare us even better to face what's coming in the future. Lord, we give you the glory and we praise Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Happy Easter, folks.
Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I want to give a big thanks to the folks who helped us put up our equipment last week in the rain. This week we kind of got it covered, but uh, next week may be a different story, all right? So some of you got to see the inside of our building for the first time, and I'm like, man, this is embarrassing. It's like when someone comes over to your house and you wasn't ready, okay, and you you got all kinds of stuff laying around. Um, um, So we weren't quite ready for prime time. But if you are willing to help get our building ready, let me know, holler at me, and uh, there may be a few evenings in the week, or some folks have some keys that can get in the building. There's a lot of little things that need to do. No matter your skill or strength level or stamina level, there is something that you can do. We have some big things like hanging some TVs, and then we probably touching up some paint, and we also have some small things like wiping down counters and stuff like that. There's a lot to do. Thank you all for being a part of what we do. I'm excited for what the future holds. Happy Easter to you all, and God bless you.